0: The 21st anniversary of 9-11 was this past Sunday, and I went to the college campus in UT Austin to check in on how younger Americans felt about the subject. Spoiler alert, the videos I'm about to play will most likely destroy the last shred of hope you had for the next generation. And if that doesn't do it, the Biden administration thought today would be a great day to celebrate a near-record collapse in the market, as Americans pay more in taxes than they do for food. And the price for groceries also surges to the highest level we've seen since 1979. We're talking economic collapse, the death of patriotism in America, and the intense crime surge we're witnessing as our leaders turn their back on the USA. Welcome back to another episode of Rapid Fire. My name is Savannah Hernandez. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and always supporting me. Now, many of you guys ask, Sav, how do we support you? Because we do know that the show is funded by us. That is 100% correct. You guys fund the show. You fund my reporting the new video that I just put out all funded by you guys. So if you would like to support me, I have recently started a subscribe star. The link is down below. If you guys would like to go check that out, um, you can go to subscribestar.com slash Savannah Hernandez. Remember that is Savannah with one N. The link is down below for that. If you would like to support me there or an even better way to support me because this is kind of a win-win for everybody involved, you guys can go to oldcountrysoap.com and get one of my favorite products that, again, I personally use myself. Now, this isn't a regular ad read for you guys, right? Old Country Soap, this is a product that I've used myself for now the second month because I wanted to thoroughly vet Old Country Soap for you guys, and I absolutely love the product. Again, uh, use code SAV, S-A-V, for 20% off your order. I absolutely love it because it has high-quality ingredients, and it comes with this Sisal Fiber Soap Bag. Uh, You know, every single time I do these ad reads for you guys, I'm also basically giving you skincare advice. One of the best ways to take care of your skin is by exfoliating. So this fiber soap bag made with all natural uh, fibers and ingredients great for exfoliating the skin there's bentonite clay which is really great for bringing the impurities out of your skin and then there's also tallow which is great for moisturizing you want these incredible all-natural chemical-free ingredients to be properly absorbed in your skin so you will use this exfoliation bag to really make sure that your skin is absorbing that i have the um wildflower scent here. And as you guys can see, I'm already missing a bar of soap because that one is in my shower. Smells great. This is the uh, tallow scent right here for maybe some of the men who don't want to smell like a wildflower. But I would highly encourage you guys to go check out oldcountrysoap.com. Again, link is down below. One of my favorite products that I have been using for a month now, if you want glowing and healthy skin, because remember, it's important to take care of your body, both inside and out. Go to oldcountrysoap.com and place an order now. Use coupon code SAV for 25% off. Now, my friends, we have a lot of news to get into today. And I titled the episode of this show, Young Americans Desecrate 9-11 as Crime and Economic Collapse Surge. And that's basically in a nutshell what is currently going on in our country. I wrote an article for the Post Millennial about how I went to UT Austin and college kids basically told me they don't care about 9-11 and they are not proud to be American. The answers that I received listening to these interviews and going and talking to these students was absolutely heartbreaking. And again. It is the result of a bigger issue. It's not popular to love your country. It's not popular to be a patriot. I was on the War Room with Owen Schroyer today. Go check out that interview on Van Video, and we were discussing these interviews specifically. But you know, I was articulating that similar to transgenderism, it's a popular thing right now, right? And everyone wants to have ten. To 12 different pronouns. They want to be 58 genders. They want to, uh, you know, identify as this or that because it's popular. Similarly, it is so popular to be anti American, to hate your country and to be anti patriotic. For some reason, hating America is a cool thing and it always has been. I even remember this mentality being a thing when I was in college. I went and I studied abroad in London and I remember all of the Americans being ashamed to be America American, right? They were like, oh, Americans are loud. We're rude. We want to be like the Europeans. We're not even happy that we're American. And that kind of rubbed off on me as well because I was still a young and impressionable college student. That was me when I was in college. That was back in 2017 to 20 or 2016 to like 2018 years, right? So I feel like I was in college for the tail end of like the extreme indoctrination. These are our college students at UT Austin, which is a pretty prestigious university, if you will. These were their thoughts on 9-11, an extremely horrifying event that shaped America forever, that unified our country, and that the government also used to impose restrictions on our rights and freedoms to this day. This was their response to 9-11, genuinely horrifying, a straight up desecration of 9-11, remembrance of 9-11, disrespect to the families and all of the victims involved. And again, just a blatant misunderstanding of why this event was so significant. Let's watch. So yesterday was the 21st anniversary of 9-11. I'm asking the younger generation, does this date still hold significance to you? Do you still think it's important?
1: Nobody cares about it. Like our age, uh, because like a lot of us understand like the reality behind what happened and how much like we did to other countries that, like not like deserve but like deserve what happened like 9/11. Uh, obviously like uh, like support to all the families and everybody like that pass and like it's super. It's a tragic event, but the amount of shit we've done to other countries like the younger generation doesn't care because we all like hate the military. We hate America. So there's like bigger tragedies that really don't get, like, touched on. Like, even Juneteenth this year wasn't really celebrated that much. If something like that isn't getting, like, celebrated or given, like, the support that it should be given, why would we give it to, like, 9-11? I'm sorry, but I think slavery is a little bit of a bigger tragedy than 9-11 was.
0: I forgot that, like, it was 9-11 the other day until I saw, like, a post about it. Like, I just did not remember it all. Do you think it's still significant? Uh, maybe but not really to the younger generation.
1: That's a good question. A lot of people really uh, forget about it. I know the thing is to say, don't forget, but you know I don't think it really gets talked about much these days anymore. I grew up in a really small town, so every single year you had to watch in every single class from different angles um, of burning buildings, people dying, and they'd be like, what did you learn from that? And I'd be like, that was terrible, and I'm seven. I can't pretend like that what happened to them didn't matter, but I know for me it doesn't hold a lot of significance, and it just feels like a lot of times it makes up for like excessive patriotism. Just
0: asking that, like the younger generation, if they remember what yesterday was. Sunday.
1: Was that a trick question? I don't get it.
0: <laughs> so today, September 12th, what was yesterday? Oh, oh. Sunday, yeah, Sunday, yeah, yeah,
1: Sunday. Uh, yeah, 9-11. I'm from New York. Uh... It's traumatizing. It's traumatizing, and I don't think we will ever be forget about it.
0: So I've been talking to a lot of the, the students here on campus, and a lot of them say that they don't know or really care about 9-11. I even had a student who said, uh, because we don't celebrate Juneteenth, we shouldn't celebrate 9-11. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Who are those children, and what are their names?
0: So it was very interesting to see the juxtaposition of the younger generation versus the older generation that lived through 9-11. Granted, many of these students that I interviewed were not born from 9-11, don't remember 9-11. I myself don't even remember 9-11, but I understand the significance of this date. So many people were saying, for the first time, it really does feel like 9-11 was not given the, the proper remembrance that we typically see every single year. For the first year, it felt like 9-11 wasn't properly given the tribute, and the families weren't properly given the, you know, the honor, the respect that they deserve uh, for you know having lost a loved one, having lived through this experience. Like we as a country, and uh one of the questions that I did ask these students too was: after 9-11, the country was extremely unified. People were waving American flags, they were singing the national anthem in unison. It was a beautiful time where Americans all came together. And and granted, whether or not you think that the uh, 9-11 events were a foreign or domestic terroristic event, beside that, America was very unified after this event and Americans understood the significance of it. And they were proud to be an American. They were proud to stand with their country and they felt this sense of patriotism and unification. And in the modern day, and the reason why we are seeing the destruction and degradation of our country is because we no longer have that anymore. We have nothing to unify around in America because we are such a big melting pot of people with all of these different ideas and the country is being pulled this way and that way. We can't unify on everything. It's it's popular to think that, Uh, you know, America sucking is a good thing and being patriotic is dumb and nobody wants to do that, it's very sad to see this next generation of future voters, of future leaders, and their mentality on these significant events, and also their mentality on being an American. Let's listen to how these UT college students feel about being American. After 9-11, everyone was waving the American flag, they were singing the anthem, we were very unified as a country. I've been asking the younger generation, are you proud to be an American? Not
1: particularly. I've never really understood patriotism. Uh, I've never been more embarrassed to be an American. I'll say that. I'd love to maybe go to, like, uh, like Algeria or, like, Egypt, South Africa. Anywhere, anywhere
0: but the United States.
1: Yeah, you can name all other, like, 200 and, I think, 67 countries and I would go there
0: which country could you would you choose if you could choose any other country other than America
1: (laughs) Mexico I feel more Mexican than I do American let's just say that (laughs) I would probably go back to like my home country which is India are you proud
0: to be Indian yeah I'm definitely proud to be Indian but not proud to be an American probably not no (laughs) for this younger generation who hates America I mean what what would you say to them it's
2: spoiled if you don't like it then leave If you don't love the country that you're from, I suggest you leave. If you don't like it, I mean, there's plane (laughs) tickets available. I'll help you.
0: So, again, we're seeing the older generation who actually cares about this country. And for my podcast listeners, those were black Americans who were saying, hey, if you don't like America, then get out of here. Leave, get on a plane and go because we don't need you here. And then you have this entire generation of young Americans who would rather turn their back on their own country and revoke their citizenship to the USA and go somewhere like Mexico. Now, I want to highlight this young girl who said she would rather go to Mexico because she was also a journalism student. In Mexico for 2022 so far, 15 journalists have been brutally murdered by the cartels in that country. But yeah, homegirl wants to go to Mexico. Let's go on to the next guy who says he'd rather go to Algeria. For my podcast listeners, uh, this man was clearly gay, what do you think happens to gay men in Algeria? They get thrown off of roofs. LGBTQ rights are not the same in a Algeria as they are in America. And if this young gentleman went to any different country, he would maybe understand that. Or, you know, if he opened a book, maybe utilized Google, he would know that. Um, and then let's also highlight that last girl who said, I'm proud to be Indian. I'm not proud to be American. I'd rather go back to India. We are an entire generation of Americans that would rather deem loyalty to a foreign country than our own country. This is why our country cannot prosper. This is why our country is so divided right now. And we will never be unified because we have an entire generation of Americans who would gladly turn their back and stab America in the back any chance they got. And this is the type of rhetoric that proves that. And we see it every single day in the media. This is from the gateway pundit, NBA star Steph Curry trashes President Trump but praises Marxist Colin Kaepernick and Talcum X in an interview. He basically goes on to say, oh yeah, Malcolm X is incredible. Colin Kaepernick is incredible. But Donald Trump's speech has no place here in America. And it is this type of divisive rhetoric and it is this type of entitlement that has led America to the path that we're on. And if we continue on this trajectory, I mean, we're already basically here. We're already basically at... I wouldn't say the bottom of the barrel, but we're getting there very quickly. We're going to be talking about our complete economic collapse, how Joe Biden celebrated it. We're going to be talking about the intense crime wave that we see every single day at this point. It's ridiculous. Why is our border wide open and why is Corinne Jean-Pierre still lying to us, to our faces about it? She came out, it was either today or yesterday, and was saying, oh, well, if Republicans would get out of the way, then we could secure the border. And then you have border czar Kamala Harris coming forward and saying, yeah, the border is very secure. You have, uh, you know, the head of DHS, Alejandro Mayarca, saying, yeah, the border's fine. It's not a big deal. All of those are lies. And why is it that we don't care about security for our, our borders? Why do we not care about the sovereignty of America, of our nation, rule of law, none of that? Because we don't have anything to unify around in this country. And hating America is such a popular topic that we are now seeing sites just like this one in Eagle Pass every day. This comes from Bill Malusion. Good morning from Eagle Pass, Texas, where another large group of approximately 200 plus migrants just crossed illegally onto private property. Almost all of them are single adult men, mostly from Venezuela. And one of them hung a Venezuelan flag on a barbed wire fence built by Texas. Now, one of the biggest issues that I have with the illegal immigrants that are invading our country every single day is that they're coming over here and they're waving the flag of the country that they're fleeing. They're mostly single adult men. And if you look at the reason as to why rent is going up so much, as to why uh, we are dealing with such a huge surge in crime, why it's hard for Americans to find not even jobs per se. But yeah, I I think rent is one of the most interesting portions of this, right? Uh, Finding a place to stay. It's because our population is growing by the millions every single year for the illegal immigrants or with the illegal immigrants that are crossing over every single day. Now, I'm going to read a hilarious headline to you guys about how in Mexico it's a big issue because all of the white Americans are gentrifying Mexico City and they're invading Mexico City. Let me see if I can just pull that up for you now. But if Mexicans come over here and they change our demographic and they change the way that we live, we are not allowed to say anything about it. And why is that? Because we don't have pride. The masses do not have pride in our country. We will not stand for our country. There's no loyalty to the U.S. From Yahoo News, boon or threat, Mexico City, wrestles with influx of remote U.S workers. An attorney part of Mexico City in a park surrounded by hipster coffee shops and restaurants stands a figure dressed in white with hands in prayer like a Catholic statue. The so-called patron saint against gentrification. And the best part of this story too is the people in Mexico are literally protesting and mad because Americans are going to Mexico and making it better and helping the economy over there. But if you, uh, again, it's the complete opposite of Mexicans and illegal immigrants, because it's not just Mexicans, it's illegal immigrants from all over the world coming over to the U.S., they're not helping our economy, they're hurting it. They're not helping the United States at all, they're hurting it. Are they flying the American flag? No, they're flying the freaking Venezuelan flag or whatever flag from whatever country they're coming from. So why do we think we've gotten to a point now where this generation of immigrant children who have never had to fight for anything in their life, who've never had to stand for anything in their life, who get handed everything their entire lives. Why do we think that they have such an entitled mindset when it comes to their rights and freedoms so easily granted to them by the United States? It's because they've never, like I said, they've never really had to struggle for anything. They've never faced adversity and they have no loyalty to the United States because they've never truly had to struggle. They've never truly had to fight for their freedoms or their rights. It's very sad to see. And I was thinking about this as well. And it's like when God gave us free will, right? God gave us free will and we are supposed to do good with our free will, but oftentimes we will sin and make mistakes. It's very similar to our freedoms here in America. In America, we are awarded freedom, but it's up to us to use those freedoms for good or for evil. And right now the younger generation is utilizing their freedom to give up their freedoms. They're willfully saying, take my rights, take my freedoms, take my guns. I don't want it. I want to be dependent on the government. And it's so sad because our ancestors, their ancestors even fought for them. A lot of them who are immigrants fought for them to be in this country so they could have that opportunity. And now they are squandering it all away. Now back to this uh, article about Mexico City. This is my favorite part right here. It says nearly 2 million foreigners touched down at the Mexico City International Airport in the first half of 2022, inching toward the record 2.5 million arrivals in the first half of 2019. Meanwhile, demand for a short term rental across Mexico City surged 44 percent over the same period, according to AirDNA, a market research company that analyzes online rental listings. So. People in Mexico City extremely upset because Americans are going over there, they're renting up the properties, uh, they're changing the demographic of Mexico City. But when America gets invaded by illegal immigrants every single day, when I go out into my local community here in Texas and people are speaking Spanish, when this is a primarily English speaking country... If I speak out about that, I'm a racist. If I'm upset about the demographic change because illegal immigrants are flooding our border every single day, I'm a racist for that. But when people in Mexico say, we don't want Americans over here, then it's a big issue. And it's so funny to me because American outlets are now reporting on how white Americans are going in, they're gentrifying and they're colonizing, uh, Mexico city. And it's a horrible thing. And it's like, okay, so we're not allowed to go colonize them, but they're allowed to come colonize us. Is that how that works? It's absolutely ridiculous. And I'm tired of it. And I'm going to call it out because we do need rule of law. We do need to secure our borders. The reason why I am so bold about this and so hard line, and I draw my line in the sand about illegal immigration, like at this point, we need to stop all immigration legal and illegal at this point. We need, I believe it's called an immigration moratorium where we put a cap on how many legal immigrants are allowed to come into this country because at this point we're already so invaded and our demographic is already so different than what it traditionally was. There is a stark difference between Americans who were born and raised in America and have loyalty to this country and a stark difference between the Like I said, a lot of these immigrant children listen to these kids who were straight up like, well, I would rather go back to my home country than go get out of America because you're making it worse for everybody. There are a lot of illegal immigrants who are crossing over because they are looking for a better life. Maybe we replace you with one of them. I don't know. We definitely do need to take a more hard line on immigration, though, because this is getting out of hand and we do not love our country. If we did, we would enact our, our laws and we would have a secure border and we don't right now. Now, Tucker Carlson made a really good point about 9-11 and, again, just the entire mentality of where America is at. And he basically said that drawing a parallel between January 6th protests and fall of the Twin Towers is true lunacy. And this is something that many politicians and even some people on the streets try to draw a comparison to, that the Twin Towers collapsing on 9-11, 3,000 people dying that day was comparable to January 6th, where... The judicial proceedings or the proceedings that day, the election proceedings, continued a couple hours after January 6th happened. It was that horrible and it was that much of a terroristic event that within a couple of hours, the entire building was cleared out and the proceedings were on their way. By the way, the only people that died that day were Trump supporters. But with the rewriting of history, who knows what that's going to look like in a couple of years. Now, Tucker basically makes the point that the reason why the New York Times wasn't even... You know, giving a tribute or memorializing 9-11 in any way, shape or form. The reason why politicians downplay 9-11 every single day by comparing it to January 6th. The reason why this country does not respect what happened on 9-11 or understand the significance of it is because of the shifting rhetoric of what terrorism means. Now, the reason we were so unified post-9-11 was because it was foreign terrorists who had come in, attacked America, correct? And that's why a lot of people felt very unified. Now, the shifting rhetoric is that it's Americans who are the domestic terrorists. It's you who are the domestic terrorists because you don't believe the official government narrative. It is you who are the domestic terrorists because you do not want the government to come in and rule your life. You're a domestic terrorist because you don't want your credit card company coming in and tracking when you buy a gun or not. This is a new thing that is happening per the Wall Street Journal, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, to track gun shops with new merchant code. Move represents win for gun control advocates. Exclude firearm sales at Big box retailers so basically this is going to allow um the government to track you if you buy a gun with your credit card there's now going to be a uh, you know separate tracking for that specific purchase and why do you think that is why do you think the government wants to be able to track your gun purchases while also Spying on all of your social media platforms, your personal phone calls and text messages, while also updating the FBI terrorism bulletin to say that if you sow discord or dissent against the government or misinformation against the government, that you're a domestic terrorist. Understand and connect the dots here and see where we're headed, right? They're basically, and that's why the significance of 9 11 does not feel as strong as it used to. It's because we're now shifting that rhetoric towards. Americans being domestic terrorists, and now all of the focus is in on that. All of the focus is on, well, 9-11 was bad, but January 6th was worse because the domestic terrorists here at home did that to us. And that was uh, some responses that I did get from college students on campus as well. So I just wanted to discuss that and talk about that because White Americans aren't allowed to talk about the demographic change in our country. White Americans, for some reason, are not allowed to want a secure border. Yeah, they actually are allowed. And again, I always say this to my audience. Do not allow the left to bully you and dictate you out of common sense logic here. Be proud to be an American. Be proud of your country. Be patriotic. Be a nationalist. Okay, that word itself has been so demonized. But what's wrong with being proud of your country? And your nation. There's nothing wrong with that. I guarantee you, if there was people in Mexico who were like, Yeah, we're Mexican nationalists, the white liberals over here in America would be like, Brava, brava. That's beautiful. Yes, we we completely one hundred percent back that. Yes. But then again, I'm not saying There should be a white nationalist or anything like that. But even the word nationalist or nationalism has been so demonized. And that goes into, again, the restructuring of our language to make all of us white supremacists, domestic Nazi terrorists, if we don't agree with the left's absolutely insane political ideology. Now, because Americans did not push back enough, because Americans did not get angry enough and remind their politicians that it is not them that are in charge, it is us, and we are supposed to have the final say, Joe Biden is currently in office absolutely destroying everything. Now, here is Joe Biden celebrating a record high inflation as a great day, and he fumbles through this entire speech because it's Joe Biden, he's not coherent. Uh, The Dow is tanking live on screen as this is happening because uh yeah the stock market had a horrific day today i believe it was um 1.6 trillion dollars in losses today and that's what the stock market looked like it was all in red and as joe biden is celebrating the inflation reduction act that was how how much 700 billion dollars yeah tell me again how that's going to reduce inflation oh it's not right that was um Basically, a Trojan horse into getting us into bad green energy policy that is going to further destroy our entire nation. Um, here is Joe Biden celebrating his failures, basically, and laughing in your face and slapping you in the face because, you know what, you might suffer as a result of the green energy policy. You might suffer as a result of the record fl- high inflation because we keep printing money, um, because Joe Biden keeps on forgiving student loan debt uh, and passing all of this ridiculous policy. But, you know, Joe Biden's going to celebrate it because he's not going to be affected. You are.
3: Uh, this couldn't have happened without every single one of you. And that's in the literal sense of the Senate. Every single one was required because the other team didn't want to play. And all our distinguished guests, CEOs, act, advocates, adv- activists, thank you for joining us. And what a great day. Exactly four weeks ago today, I signed the Inflation Reduction Act into law.
0: Ah, man, we are not in a good spot. And this is what happens when Americans don't educate their fellow man. This is what happens when Americans don't have their voices heard. This is what happens when Americans say, when Republicans specifically too, they capitulate to the left wing because they don't want to be called racist and they don't want to be called mean people, even though they're not racist at all for wanting to pass common sense policy here. So we stay out of situations like this one. Per CNBC, Dow tumbles 1,200 points for worst day since June 2020 after a hot inflation report. Stocks fell sharply on Tuesday after a key August inflation report came in hotter than expected, hurting investor optimism for cooling prices and, less aggressive, and a less aggressive Federal Reserve. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average slid over 1,200 points. Just five stocks in the S&P 500 finished in positive territory. So uh, that's what's currently happening with our stock market. And it gets worse, guys. It gets much worse. Per the new American and Daily Mail, Americans now pay more in taxes than for food. President Biden's progressive agenda has hit Americans hard and with added high inflation, there's no relief in sight. The Bureau of Labor Statistics just released a report showing that Americans spent more on taxes in 2021 than food, clothing, and healthcare combined, creating financial hardship for the majority of Americans. According to the Daily Mail in 2021, Americans spent an average of uh, 16, almost $17,000 in federal and state Social Security property and other taxes while spending uh, around $15,000 on food, clothing and health care. So uh, the bottom line from the Bureau of Labor Statistics is that the average American consumer failed to keep up with the rising cost of living, especially with inflation at that 40-year high. President Biden's claimed significant progress with economic recovery is nothing more than a lie to most Americans who are feeling the pain of economic hardship caused by Biden's progressive agenda. And if you guys think that, you know, it stops there, it's not going to get any worse. A stark reminder for you that, yes, Joe Biden did... um, sign the student relief. I can't remember the exact name um, of it, but basically like a student loan debt cancellation bill. And he was saying that they're going to cancel up to $10,000 in student loan debt. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because uh, just a quick reminder for you, that's going to cost the government around $230 billion. And it's so funny too, that this article says it's going to cost the government $230 billion. No, it's going to cost you because you, the taxpayer, are are paying for it. So if you're already dealing with high inflation, record high inflation, if you uh, can't afford food, gas, the price of living as a whole, if you're watching the uh, stock market crash, on top of all of that, again, per the Bureau of Labor Statistics, inflation and price of food is the highest it's been since 1979. So really no silver lining. Um, in this show, I wish I was giving you guys better news, but this is what we are all currently living through. The Consumer Price Index report released today by the Bureau of Labor Statistics showed that prices on all items in the United States increased by 8.3% from August of 2021 to August of 2022, with the price of gasoline rising 25.6%, the price of electricity rising 15.8%, and the price of food rising 11.4%. The report indicated that the 11.4% year-to-year increase in the price of food was the highest in 43 years. 43 years. We haven't seen the price of food this high since 1979. Joe Biden gets into office and in less than two years, highest food prices in 43 years. It's getting so bad that even CNN is having to call out how horrible not only the stock market has been, but inflation rates and... Um, the price of living has been for the average American. Listen. Okay, you're listening there to President Biden at the White House. He's celebrating the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. He says that he's been fighting big pharma for decades. Um, but there is this unfortunate split screen right now with the Dow taking a total beating down more than 1,200 points. And so it feels like uh, it's hard to be celebratory for some people in the crowd. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's kind of hard for... To be celebratory for some of the people in the crowd, CNN actually making a um, regular observation about how Americans feel about Joe Biden. And just to highlight for you guys how hated this administration is, here was uh, Nancy Pelosi speaking today regarding the Inflation Reduction Act, regarding Joe Biden's speech. She has to ask the crowd to applaud. Because the crowd very much so reflects the average American who has to be told that they like Joe Biden, has to be told that the masses like Joe Biden and that he's doing a great job and that inflation isn't at a record high, that grocery store shelves aren't still empty, that the price of food isn't at a 43-year high. She literally has to ask the crowd to applause. Do you think Donald Trump ever had to do that? I'm gonna make that comparison. You think Donald Trump has ever had to ask a crowd to applaud him? You think Donald Trump ever had a rally with less than 10,000 people at it? Joe Biden certainly has. Listen to Nancy Pelosi here. I'm listening to the end of this clip, it's a joke. Mr. President, thank you for unifying and inspiring a vision of a stronger,
3: fair, safer future for all, for our children. Your extraordinary leadership has made this
0: glorious day possible. i That's an applause line. <laughs> Literally has to ask the crowd to clap because the crowd is like, it's really funny that you're saying all this, Nancy, because we're watching the stocks drop in live time and the uh, country's kind of imploding. This was essentially the same thing as CNN's mostly peaceful protests in front of a dumpster fire. That's Joe Biden's entire presidency. It's a dumpster fire. It's a joke. That's very sad to live through to be quite honest with you. I was at one of my local grocery stores and I noticed that not one grocery shelf was fully stocked. I've never seen that before in my life in America. We're now living in an economy very similar to a socialist I guess ideology policy here where the government is just pushing out all of this money onto the masses and saying, Oh yeah, we'll forgive your student loan debt. You can just be dependent on us. Don't worry about going to work. Don't worry about this or that. We're going to open up the country for everyone. And we're just going to keep printing money and give it to everybody. And everything's going to be great. Also please ignore the entire dumpster fire over here. And the fact that nobody can afford to actually live in America, just ignore that. Everything's okay. Just listen to us. Just listen to the people that are on the news. Just listen to the people on TV. We wouldn't lie to you. Sure, we try to redefine recession, but it's just because you know the, the definition was updated this year, and it was like a very like low key definition change, and so not many people knew about it. But that's why we informed you. So it looks like we're in a recession, and we're facing 40 uh, year highs for inflation. But in reality, okay. You just don't understand history and definitions properly. So we're just going to go ahead and reformat that for you. You listen to us on the TV screen. We're right. You're wrong. Okay, okay, great. Government propaganda. Incredible. Now, we're offering solutions every show. Uh, Robert Kiyosaki is one of my favorite people to follow regarding the economy and how to fortify yourself and your family against the incoming economic doom here. Kia tweets out today, time for the poor to get rich. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETF and real estate are crashing. As predicted, the middle class is being wiped out. Silver is moving sideways. Uh, Silver to stay at $20 for three to five years, then climb to $100 to $500. Everyone can afford silver, even the poor accumulate silver. Now, I saw this tweet and I wanted to read it for the audience because, you know, we do read a lot of this doom and gloom. And it's like, well, how do we support our families? How do we get through this? Go listen to Robert Kiyosaki. He's one of the greats when it comes to economy. He calls out Joe Biden all the time, Um, not because he's political, because he understands how economic policy works and what happens when you print a bunch of money and you bring in socialistic policy into a country and what ends up happening to our money. Yeah, go listen to Robert Kiyosaki. Go buy silver and go invest in that now because if you're making these investments now while everything is crashing, it will pay off in the long run. And um Remember, cash is king as well. Do not, you know, be a part of these credit cards that are going to be tracking you. Make sure that you're always using cash and have cash on hand. Don't get into the QR codes and the Apple Pay and the credit card tap pay because it's convenient. No, that's a trap, my friend. That is a trap. Don't do that. Away from the economic news a little bit, though. Um, On top of food prices being at a record high. Did you guys know that there is also a potential rail strike looming on the horizon that could cost the U.S. $2 billion? Uh, So apparently the rail industry is staring down a possible strike starting later this week from roughly 60,000 workers who are asking for better working conditions and benefits. It's estimated that this strike could cost the U.S. $2 billion daily in lost productivity. Now, apparently, the Biden administration has been trying to work with these unions, trying to work with these railroad workers, and um, basically trying to come to an agreement on what needs to be done because they're planning on striking on September 16th. And I want us all to understand that if the railroad workers strike things are going to get so much worse because a lot of, um, you know, these trains and railroads transport our food. Per the Gateway Pundit, in an already fragile economy with inflation at 40-year highs, out-of-control government spending and broken supply chains, major freight railroads are preparing for a possible strike and service disruption as a September 16th deadline looms. The supply chain disaster under the Biden administration is poised to become even worse. America's freight railroads cover a nearly 140,000 vile network across 49 states. A strike which shut down 7,000 Class 1 trains per day, as well as disrupting passenger and commuter trains. Freight trains transport nearly every sector of our economy, including agricultural, industrial, wholesale, retail, and resource-based sectors. So... Economy could lose more than $2 billion a day. Passenger traffic will be disrupted. Uh, The transportation of goods will be disrupted. And I didn't even know that this was happening, to be quite honest with you guys. This is why it's important for us to be informed. So that way we are aware if, uh, you know, these workers are about to go on strike and are already faltering grocery store shelves that are going empty are going to get worse. The U.S. Chamber of Commerce on Monday called for urgent action to avoid a strike in a national economic disaster, stating a shutdown of the nation's rail service would have enormous national consequences. It would lead to perishable foods such as dairy, fruits and vegetables spoiling at their points of origin, would halt Amtrak service, disrupt material, materials and goods being delivered to factories and ports, and would inhibit the transport of heating fuel and other important fuels and chemicals, the chamber said. The cost of such a shutdown, again, $2 billion per day. A railroad insider shared with the Gateway Pundit, why they don't talk about is that, or what they don't talk about is that the raise will help us break even with Biden inflation and health insurance costs going up actually put us back in the negative. Another aspect is the quality of life situation that the negotiations have failed to remedy. They're basically saying they're on call all the time that they are the middle-class Americans who are the backbone of America, our economy, our food supply, and they're not being treated properly. Um, And with Biden's economy, it's not easy for them to live. So that's what's currently going on with our, our uh, railways. And who is a part of our our Department of Transportation? Who is supposed to be the face of our Department of Transportation? Which, again, I don't know if this would necessarily fall into that. I kind of feel like maybe it would. Well, I guess it wouldn't. I guess it would be different. Because they're striking for... Their jobs on railroads. So I don't think Pete Buttigieg would necessarily be a part of this. Maybe he's, he would be, I'm not sure. But again, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce coming out and talking about how, um, how much we could be impacted if these railroad workers do go on strike. And again, one of the people that is protesting, essentially blaming Joe Biden and his horrific economy as to one of the reasons why they are striking. Now, on top of that happening, uh, the Gateway Pundit has been doing a great job of highlighting all of the U.S.-based food manufacturing plants that have been destroyed under Joe Biden. So there's a, a participation interactive map where you can see all of the food plants that have either burned down or have been destroyed in some way, shape, or form um, under Joe Biden. And this is a list of 100 and three separate processing plants, um, food plants, ingredient plants that have been destroyed, damaged, or impacted by accidental fires, disease, or general causes. 103 under Joe Biden. Just an interesting thing that I would like to point out there, how this is a multifaceted issue and things are not looking good. So on top of all of that, right, on top of the imploding economy, on top of the the rising cost of living, we also see Joe Biden celebrating the Inflation Reduction Act, which was basically then passing the Green New Deal, which is going to make life absolutely horrific for the masses. I saw this article today from CNBC, why Toyota, the world's largest automaker, isn't all in on electric vehicles. Now, in this article, of course, Toyota has been shamed by all of the green energy policy backers saying, why don't you care about your impact on the planet, Toyota? Why aren't you pushing out enough electric vehicles, Toyota? Why don't you care about the earth, Toyota? And then Toyota comes out and says, "Um, yeah, uh, I think that the reason why we're not doing that is because, for example. Look at California's electricity grid right now. Do you think that as a nation right now, we are even equipped to have the majority of Americans driving electric vehicles? On top of that, electric vehicles are horrific for the environment. Toyota executives, while increasing investments in all electric vehicles, argue the company's strategy is justified because not all areas of the world will adopt EVs at the same pace due to the high cost of the vehicles, as well as the lack of infrastructure, they say. For as much as people want to talk about EVs, the marketplace isn't mature enough and ready enough at the level we would need to have mass movement, said Jack Hollis, executive vice president of sales at Toyota Motor North America. So Toyota understands why they can't just, you know, mass produce these electric vehicles because they already see that we don't have the infrastructure to support it. Again, this is California. California. For my podcast listeners, it is a picture of a Tesla being charged with a gas generator because Gavin Newsom came out and said, yeah, um, California's electricity grid like can't really handle the amount of people that are using electricity and also trying to like charge their electric vehicles, which, you know, by the way, creating the batteries for those really corrosive to the earth. Um yeah, you can't charge a vehicle, sorry. <laughs> Go ahead and uh, fire up the old uh, gas or diesel generator to charge your car up, my friends. Yay for uh, climate change. <sighs> or I guess the um, the protesting of climate change. The, oh my gosh, I just like, I want us to really just look at this picture, okay? To combat climate change. Our politicians have told us we need to drive electric vehicles, which are now being charged with diesel-powered generators. Because this is the reality of these policies. This is the reality of green energy policy. You want to take a peek at what's going on in Norway right now? The price for charging an electric car at Circle K in Norway is now $9 per kilowatt, meaning that it would cost $90 to fully charge a Tesla. This is more expensive than filling up a gasoline car. So what's the point of having an electric car? This comes from Peter Sweden on Twitter. $9 per kilowatt to charge up an electric car, amounting to about $90 to charge up your Tesla. I also saw a bill for how much it costs to replace your electric vehicle battery if your warranty on said battery and vehicle were to expire. And the amount to replace that battery, I believe, was $50,000 to $70,000. Now, in the article... The writers go on to say, well, usually there's a warranty on these vehicles for up to 100,000 miles. All I'll say is I personally know somebody whose electric vehicle battery died when they were at like 102,000 miles. And now they're being hit with a $50,000, $60,000 bill to get that battery replaced. But tell me again how electric vehicles are good for the lower income Americans who can't even afford gas right now. So this is the Democratic Party. This is their policy. And this is our leader, unfortunately. This isn't even just the leader of the Democrat Party. This is the leader of America right now telling you that he's been in the United States Senate for 720 years. Listen.
3: I say to some of my colleagues have been around a long, how long we've been fighting pharma. How long we've been taking on these interests. From the time I got to the Senate 720 years ago. <laughs> I'm serious. Think about it.
0: I'm serious. That wasn't a joke. I have dementia. I don't know what's going on. There's not a teleprompter for me to look at. I wasn't in the Senate 720 years ago. What? So that's who Republicans have to compete against. Joe Biden, dementia patient, geriatric old guy who is most likely wearing a diaper, cackling Kamala Harris, who is one of the most despised affirmative action hires in America, Karine Jean-Pierre, who can't even hold her own against the press, doesn't have more than 10 brain cells at least. AOC, who genuinely is just in politics to say the stupidest S-H-I-T imaginable and be the pretty face of the Democratic Party. This is who the Republican Party has to go up against, right? This isn't really a hard competition to win. Joe Biden already basically did all of the hard work for Republicans, destroyed the economy, hiked up inflation rates, hiked up gas prices, destroyed our supply chain. Everything's pretty much horrific right now. And what do Republicans do? Republicans like Lindsey Graham, literally come forward and announce legislation to ban abortions federally at 15 weeks. Now, a federal abortion ban is, again, something that could be a good thing, right? But where we're at in the midterms and the fact that this is the issue that Lindsey Graham decided to put at the forefront genuinely makes me think that he secretly is advocating for Democrats, We call them rhinos for a reason, Republican in name only. I didn't even want to make this a Republican or a Democrat issue. This was a stupid move, to be quite honest, to put abortion at the forefront because this is exactly what Democrats wanted. After the overturn of Roe v. Wade, Democrats were like, "Okay, we are going to campaign on abortion rights and women's rights that are at risk ahead of the 2022 midterms. It is the easiest thing for them to push back against. What would be a more difficult issue? for Democrats to actually have to confront that their party pushes every single day. Maybe transgenderism and mutilation of our children, maybe the indoctrination of our children via pornographic books in public schools, uh, maybe the destroyed economy, maybe the student loan debt forgiveness that's gonna cost over $200 billion, maybe the billions we've been sending to Ukraine while we, again, have Americans here at home who can't even afford the cost of living Maybe another good issue could have been border security as crime rates surge, as Americans can't even find places to live because our population is going up every single day so immensely. Republicans could literally pick any issue, the economy being one of the strongest issue that every single American cares about right now. It doesn't matter if you're on the right or the left. When it comes to being able to provide for your children and buy food, That affects every single American. And that's why I go do my man on the streets. And I ask, hey, what's the number one most important issue to you right now? And the majority of Americans say economy, my money, the fact that I can't afford to do anything except take my child to school and straight back home because gas is so expensive. The economy is absolutely imploding and Republicans should be running on this platform. But what do they do? They do their their absolute best to campaign on behalf of Democrats, by throwing them softball issues like this one. Great job, Lindsey Graham. I actually am genuinely upset about this because this is definitely taking away from the big issue that Republicans can win on, and that's the economy right now. There is not a greater issue on the forefront of every single American's minds. I guess that's what I'm going to have to go do is do another damn man on the street or ask Americans, what do you care about more, abortion rights or... Being able to afford food every single day, I guarantee you they're going to care more about the latter. But Republicans like Lindsey Graham, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, give uh, the Democrats a softball here and advocate for abortion and uh, try to federally ban abortion. That's what we're going to go ahead and campaign on. It's ridiculous. And this is why we lose on the right. Anyway. Not saying. Yeah, no. Genuinely, this is why we lose on the right. Example number one of 58,000. Another big issue is the surge in crime around the country. Republicans could be focusing in on that. I'm going to do a very quick like blitz of headlines to show you guys where America is currently at. Republicans could be campaigning on this issue, but no, let's go with abortion. Um, This is, I'm not sure which school this is in. This video has been circulating all day and I haven't seen articles or details behind it, but this is basically a young black thug Beating up a white child in a high school. So this video is horrific. And this young white boy is being brutally beaten. He gets kicked in the face. And it's heartbreaking. Heartbreaking because one, I don't know what happened in this Young black boy's life to make him this angry to where he's beating up his fellow schoolmate. Honestly, when kids do lash out this violently, it's because there's problems at home. But more importantly, why is this an okay thing in our society? I also believe that this young man already had a history of violence as well, but he was back in school beating up kids. That's example number one of what's happening in America. And let's go ahead and do this news blitz now. Father of seven ambushed and executed on Philadelphia home's front lawn, please say. A Philadelphia man was found dead on his front lawn after being ambushed and executed. Um, there were 15, I believe, 15 uh, bullet cases that were found after the shooting. Yep, 15 spent shell casings were found on the scene. Father of seven executed on his front lawn in Philadelphia fundraiser launched for orphan children of Memphis, a Facebook live shooting spree victim. So last week, this, this great American, okay. This law abiding citizen decided to go on a shooting spree and do a Facebook live while he was doing it. Um, one of the women that he murdered was named Allison Parker, who was a nurse and a mother. And just so you guys can understand what happened. Um, His name was Ezekiel Kelly. He began his frenzy around 12.56 a.m. on Wednesday morning when he gunned down Dwayne Tunstall in his driveway. Neighbors said Tunstall and Kelly were childhood friends and Tunstall was a father with another on the way. Friends said Tunstall believed in helping others in any way possible. Kelly then drove and brandished his weapon randomly around town. He unloaded on an unidentified man, killing him instantly. He then shot another woman in the leg near Memphis, I-240. Around 6 p.m., he entered an auto zone and blasted Rodolfo Berger, whom he caught unaware as he was waiting in line, Berger still alive in critical condition. And then he decided to go and murder Kelly the uh, or Kelly decided to murder mother Allison Parker, a West Memphis nurse who thought she was being a good Samaritan by helping him out. He jacked her car and then killed her in front of her daughter. So that's what happened in Memphis last week. Let's keep going from the Daily Wire woman beheaded on California Street as witnesses watch in horror. A California woman's head was severed by a sword wielding maniac in broad daylight Thursday as witnesses watched in horror. The horrifying attack occurred in San Carlos, a small town about halfway between San Jose and San Francisco in California. Her head was clean cut off by an illegal immigrant, by the way, per PJ Media. Update, beheaded mom identified. And guess what? The killer is an illegal immigrant with an expired visa. But it keeps getting worse. From the New York Post, St. Louis tourist 21 raped by a stranger in a new york city subway station a 21 year old st louis tourist was accosted and raped inside a new york city subway station by a man who approached her at times square hub offering to show her around he rode with her on the train to multiple stations before stopping at a final unknown location where he took her to the end of the platform near the tunnel and raped her, authorities said. Uh, from BBC News, PB Rock, rapper shot dead in LA Waffle House in suspected robbery. Apparently he was told to hand over his jewelry. He was then shot in cold blood in California. Here's what's going on in Washington, D.C. This happened last week. A D.C. man was evading arrest after reportedly shooting a firearm. He crawled on power lines, To get away from police, the standoff went on for three hours. From the Sun U.S., gates are wide open. Inside Illinois, the purge law and the 400 criminals to be released in 2023 after the Safety Act ends cash bail. So if you think that the rising crime rates were bad now and there's three attributes to this as to why the crime rates are so bad. Number one, being the fact that we emboldened criminals in 2020 to do whatever the hell they wanted in the name of reparations. We told criminals that they could go loot, riot, murder, attack our police officers, kill innocent Americans, and then get bailed out the next day. We emboldened them and told them that that type of behavior was okay. And they were propped up by the entire media and Democrat politicians. On top of that, we severely defunded our police nationwide. So our police aren't even able to properly respond to the rising crime rates. Then you can look into the George Soros funded DA soft on crime attorneys that are continuously allowing the, these criminals out of jail every single day to go back out and terrorize the public. And then the third and final thing is the open border every single day, because I could bring up headline after headline after headline of illegal im who shouldn't be here, who are murdering American citizens every single day, that are bringing in drugs, that are bringing in crime, that are a part of MS-13 and gangs, that are human smuggling, human trafficking. Yeah, that's who's coming across our border. So this is a multifaceted issue as well. And then to top it all off in Illinois, where, by the way, Chicago, which usually has a new deadliest weekend in history every single weekend because black children and families are being shot at historic rates every weekend there, but nobody wants to address that. No, instead, Illinois is going to say, well, let's be nice to the vicious murderers running around the streets of Illinois and uh, get rid of cash bail. This is the safety act of Illinois Listen to what it's going to allow to happen uh, starting in 2023.
3: As of January 1st, 2023, the following things will go into effect, and people need to be aware of this. It abolishes cash bail for almost every offense. This includes, but isn't limited to, kidnapping, armed robbery, second degree murder, drug induced homicide, aggravated DUI, threatening a public official, and aggravated fleeing and eluding. Offenders released on electronic monitoring have to be in violation for 48 hours before law enforcement can act. They could almost drive to Alaska before we can even look for them. It denies victims their constitutional rights, and keep this in mind, businesses and homeowners, officers will no longer be able to remove trespassers from your resident, residents or your businesses. Someone could decide to live in your shed, and all we can do is give them a ticket. You have to decide what level of force is required to remove them and whether or not it's legal. This is a massive threat to the residents of Oil Park, Cook County and Illinois.
0: Good luck, Illinois. Good luck. Come 2023, it's basically going to be the purge in your state. And I'm not joking. I want to go to Chicago and ask residents what they think about this. And then after that, come 2023, I'm not going back to that state because I'm not trying to get shot in cold blood on the street. No, thank you. No, thank you. So that's happening in Illinois, in Chicago, where, you know, we see, like I said, record gun deaths every single weekend. Couple that with migrants now being bused to sanctuary cities like Chicago, and then promptly being shift, shipped off to the suburbs. So if you think the criminals from the border aren't going to make their way up to Chicago, and they're not going to make their way into your neighborhood, they already are. So straight up, good luck to Illinois and any resident in Chicago who genuinely cares about their safety. Now, I want to quickly cover uh, COVID as well, because the vaccine, the adverse uh, effects that we have seen, and the gigantic blood clots that coroners are now finding, that embalmers are now finding in dead bodies the amount of unknown cause of death that is happening worldwide is something that we're continuously seeing every single day. And I really have not done proper justice to this subject, and I haven't been covering it like I should because we are living in very urgent times regarding what is happening with the vaccine. This is from Alex Berenson's substack. Unreported truths, urgent deaths are soaring in one of the world's most highly mRNA vaccinated areas. Deaths in the Australian state of Victoria, where 95% of adults have received COVID vaccines and most are boosted with mRNA shots, soared to their highest level in at least 13 years in August, far above the five-year average. Victoria offers almost unique data near real-time reporting on death trends in millions of people who are heavily vaccinated but had little exposure to COVID before being jabbed. The picture is increasingly grim. Victoria registered 4,896 deaths from all causes in August, 27% above the monthly average of the previous five Augusts. So far in 2022, Victoria has registered 32,533 deaths, 20% above its average for the same eight month period from 2017 through 2021. Victoria has had more than 4,000 deaths in five months since February. It crossed that threshold only in seven months in the previous 12 years. So that's what's going on in Australia. And uh, it gets worse too. From the Epoch Times, unethical and up to 98 times worse than the disease, top scientists published paradigm-shifting study about COVID-19 vaccines. A team of nine experts from Harvard, Johns Hopkins, and other top universities has published paradigm-shifting research about the efficacy and safety of the COVID-19 vaccines and why mandating vaccines for college students is unethical. And here is that actual study, because when I read these types of articles, I'm like, all right, well, let me read this study for... Myself, it's titled COVID-19 Vaccine Boosters for Young Adults, a Risk Benefit Assessment and Five Ethical Arguments Against Mandates at University. And the abstract goes on to read, Students at North American universities risk disenrollment due to third-dose COVID-19 vaccine mandates. We present a risk-benefit assessment of boosters in this age group and provide five ethical arguments against mandates. We estimate that 22,000 to 30,000 previously uninfected adults aged 18 to 29 must be boosted with an mRNA vaccine to prevent one COVID hospitalization. And then they go on to say, we anticipate 18 to 98 serious adverse events, including 1.7 to 3.0 booster-associated myocarditis cases in male and over 1300 to 3200 cases of grade three reactogenicity which interferes with daily activities um u.s mandates violate the reciprocity principle because rare serious vaccine related harms will not be reliably compensated due to gaps in current vaccine injury schemes and mandates create wider societal harms we consider arguments such as a desire for socialization and safety and show that such arguments lack scientific and or ethical support. And they finally discussed the relevance of analysis for current two-dose COVID-19 vaccine mandates in North America. So go and read that study for yourself to understand how the COVID vaccine is actually affecting people. Um, on top of that, per the Western Journal, six feet of blood clots removed from high school football players' legs ends his career. Ends his career. Caden Clymer of Owosia Ohio was stricken with sudden inexplicable pain just days before the start of football season. His legs had swollen four inches in circumference, and he felt pain radiating through his legs and back with no warning. uh, Climber's father took him to the emergency room. The high school junior wouldn't leave the hospital for nine days. By the end of his stay, Doctors had extracted approximately six feet of long string-like blood clots that had spread throughout the veins in climbers' legs, and a regime of blood thinners would end his high school football career, according to WTOL-TV, and this is not the first story that I've seen of these long blood clots being found in young individuals or even individuals who recently died. Look into that as well. Again, I'm not doing proper justice to the topic because this is something that is happening to Americans and people... uh, you know, worldwide, and it's going underreported by the same media that was pushing the vaccines, the same media that was sponsored by Pfizer to push this un- this experimental vaccine that had no research behind it. That's what's going on in the modern day. We don't value life as a society. We don't respect life as a society, which is why our government and the masses felt it was okay to push an experimental chemical on the majority of Americans and demonize and try to segregate and discriminate against those of us who did not want that in our bodies. We don't value life in this country. And one of the best examples of that as well is our view on abortion rights. Now, I got really upset about the Lindsey Graham thing because, again, I do feel like his priorities are misplaced right now. And he should be focusing in on bigger issues. The Republican Party should be focused in on bigger issues as opposed to giving Democrats this softball win and easy issue to argue for their side. But abortion is still a very relevant topic. Lila Rose, uh, the founder of Live Action, one of the most outspoken advocates for life for babies in the womb, she went on Dr. Phil And of course, they try to ambush her on Dr. Phil and try to demonize her and make her out to be this horrific, um, non-empathetic woman who didn't care about women's rights. And she so beautifully combats both Dr. Phil, who was talking down to her and being so condescending and couldn't even provide the scientific research and journals that he was referencing that was trying to dispute her points. But he also brought in this... uh, pro-choice mom who basically tried to bring up the rape argument to Lila Rose. And I'm going to play these two clips for you because she's one of the best people at combating counterpoints to her stance while still being loving and empathetic and, you know, very classy while doing it. So I think all Americans can take a couple pointers from Lila Rose um, in regards to how to properly respond to erratic and insane people who are trying to push these insane types of ideologies and narratives, in this case, abortion. So here's Lila Rose um, going head to head with a pro-choice psychopath. And I'm not trying to be rude when I say that. Listen to this woman's uh, reaction to Lila Rose, the vitriol that is spitting out of her mouth because she's so angry that she doesn't have the right to kill a child. Listen to this.
2: There is nothing you could possibly say to justify that level of lack of empathy. And that's the problem I feel like in this country at the moment. We were founded on the lack of empathy, and we have just kept up with that tradition. If, if You have no empathy. A, abortion is devastating for, to women's mental health. No one talks about that. The year after a woman has an abortion... really like? The, the, the year after a woman... Ha- to have the child? The, what kind of trauma is the that? The trauma that you're is from the rape. The trauma is from the rape. The child's an innocent party there. The child and isn't we don't born It's gener- not there. We, we should not take out generational... Sin on a child to say there's generational sin and that dad was but an abuser, the thing, so the child not even should be killed. About sin at this That's rate. not we're fair to the child. We're talking about rights, and he just yes. said we've been taken a right has been taken away from us. And what is? Next? I want to address that because our fundamental human right that we all share in this room is life. It's the first human right. Laws are meant to protect the weak in a society. Who's the weakest? Who's the weakest in a society? A child. The poor. They don't have a voice. They can't speak. A of child course. in the room, that's or a, weak. The but a poor child, we're would be the keep weakest. Them that way by and a, and a child them with have disability. Listen, whether you live ten minutes or ten years or a hundred years, you're a human life, and you have the right to not be killed. And that's what the pro life fight is all about. That's what we're fighting for: a culture of life where we provide real health care. You know, abortion is the intentional destruction of an innocent but human life.
0: So I absolutely love this clip. I love how articulate and classy Lila Rose is, especially in the face of somebody who is being so disrespectful and angry. And again, I really enjoy this interaction because this is the typical left. When they don't get their way, they scream, they cry, they throw a tantrum. And we as... God-fearing, God-following, red-blooded Americans who have common sense and logic, we need to be able to push back against these nonsensical points in a coherent way and inform our fellow American. Here's Dr. Phil also trying to uh, bring in, you know, scientific studies that he can't even name to try to debunk when life begins. And here's Lila Rose's response. Let's listen.
3: The predicate of your positions that life begins at fertilization, that science is very clear about that. And you, you have to know science isn't, there, there's no consensus among the scientific community.
2: There is, that, Dr. Phil. 96% no, of there's scientists not. say that I, life begins at fertilization. If no, you're an in vitro specialist, no, 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 you're looking to create let me, let me a single cell embryo, and then you know you have a new human life. So it, it is a scientific fact.
3: Well actually it's not. Well, when do
2: you when do you say human life begins then?
3: There's well it's, it doesn't matter what I think. I, I I don't care what I think. What I'm saying is well, the scientific is- community does not have a consensus about when life begins it's simply and that. Inaccurate.
2: Has, You're sim- it's simply inaccurate.
3: That's not true. You can go to
0: So this goes on for another minute, but that's basically Dr. Phil being like, well, that's not true. And Lila Rose saying, actually, it is true. And I have gone to Lila Rose's website as well. And I believe it is a Princeton study where they say, yes, life actually does begin at conception because that is separate DNA. And whatever your definition of life is, the scientific community has agreed that it does begin at conception. So That's the left. They can never actually articulate their points. They always bring in these vague studies or statistics or points, and they can never actually argue their nonsensical views, which is why we need to always be informed. And we need to be informing our fellow man, um, that's what I've been trying to do with my man on the streets is just get out, get active. In my latest video, I did have a young white American come up to me and say, well, because of my white privilege, and I asked her the question, do you think that you're better than me, that you have more opportunity and that you are more privileged than I am because I'm brown and you're white? Do you think that that you are awarded more in society than I am because I'm brown? And when you go and you ask white liberals or any liberal these genuine questions and you make them think about the views they're espousing, they realize it's ridiculous and their minds start changing in live time. So it's very important for us to get out on the ground and start talking to our fellow man. Go and meet your neighbors. Go and meet people in your local community. Go build a community and go protect your community and go fortify your community and go inform people in your community of what's coming in 2022 with the midterm elections, what's coming in 2024, and uh, how we take this country back and put it back on track. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode. Please remember to go to oldcountrysoap.com, old spell spelled O-L-D-E, use coupon code SAV, that's S-A-V, for 20% off of your order. Big shout out to our sponsor for the show, Old Country Soap. Also remember, if you do like the show, You can find it anywhere podcasts are streamed. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, all that good stuff. Go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you do like the show because I do read every single one. Also, last thing, while I still have you guys, I have been updating my website. I have an articles page. I have been writing articles to accompany all of my videos or I've been writing articles about breaking news or op-eds about, you know, various things happening in society. So my articles are there. Um, My podcast is there. My latest video can always be found on the website i work really hard on this aspect of uh, my work as well so please go check out sav says and also if you would like to support me my subscribe star is down below all proceeds go towards my reporting toward making this show better for you buying equipment travel expenses so thank you guys for funding me for funding my work and for caring enough about the country to sit here with me and discuss everything that is going on every single day my name is savannah hernandez and thank you so much for tuning in